Welcome to DFS MVP, Daily Fantasy Sports Most Valuable Podcast presented by 4 for 4 Football. I'm 4 for 4 Senior DFS Editor Chris Raybon, joined as always by my partner in crime, Mr. TJ Hernandez. Happy Thanksgiving, TJ. Chris, happy Thanksgiving, man. Uh, before we get into it, just uh, apologize in advance for my my nasally tones on the pod. I'm, I'm fighting a little cold right now, so uh, uh, sorry to the listeners. <laughs> no worries there. Uh, happy Thanksgiving and happy holidays to all you guys out there. Uh, we got a lot to talk about in this pod. We're going to run through the Thanksgiving slate to start off. Then we'll go through our normal pod with the positional picks for the main slate, and we'll finish up as we have done this year with the primetime slate with the Steelers and the Green Bay Packers and the Ravens and the Texans. So a lot of stuff to talk about. Let's get right into it, though. Just want to remind you guys that the music that played us in today was the game featuring 50 Cent, How We Do, off the game's 2004 album Documentary, which is a pretty classic album. A lot of good songs on that album. So check it out, How We Do, the game featuring 50 Cent off 2004's documentary. And also want to let you guys know that 4 for 4 is having a Black Friday sale. It's actually going to start on Thursday, on Thanksgiving, uh, sometime after the first game starts, the first uh, Thanksgiving game starts. So you guys can check my Twitter feed for a, a link to that sale. It's a really good sale. It's going to be 84% off every single 4 for 4 subscription. So that's uh, Pro, Classic, and DFS. So be sure, to, be sure to check my Twitter for updates on that on Thursday. But let's get right into the Thursday Thanksgiving slate. We'll just kind of run through each position pretty briefly, but try to touch on the uh, the key plays and key decisions that you guys may have to make as you try to set your lineups for this three-game Thanksgiving slate. So at quarterback, you have Kirk Cousins here. He is in the late game. The Washington Redskins have the highest implied total on the slate right now. It's around 25 points. And TJ, is that really just kind of the top option at quarterback? Or do you think maybe somebody like Case Keenum deserves just as much consideration? Because I personally, I don't really see like a slam dunk quarterback pick um, in, in this slate. Maybe you feel differently. Quarterback. No, I actually think it's a lot closer than uh, maybe the public will perceive it. I mean, like you mentioned, uh, the Redskins have the highest implied point total on uh, the short Thanksgiving slate, and they also have the best matchup. Uh, the Giants rank 27th in schedule-adjusted fantasy points allowed to quarterbacks. But uh, if you look at 4-4's at value reports across the board, uh, all of the Vikings skill position players actually uh, pan out really well in our value report. So I do like Keenum a lot. I think the quarterback ownership will be relatively flat, uh, but I, I do think Cousins will be the highest owned, and I do like the idea of uh, maybe even doing a, a team stack with Keenum. I, I've talked about it before on these short slates. I do like... Uh, attacking um, a team stack if I could find one that I, I think might not be super popular. And I think people might go after the Viking skill position players um, and maybe try to diversify. But uh, I, I do like Keenum. And I also like um, I like Dak as well, actually, just because I think people are going to be off him a little bit. 
Yeah, Dak is a good call. As long as he gets Tyron Smith back, I think he can do a lot more with, with a little more protection. This game is actually expected to be uh, pretty close and is the highest totaled game on the slate at 47.5 points as of this recording. So I definitely think you have to look at Dak. You have to look at Phillip Rivers in tournaments just because the Dallas defense has struggled so much with Sean Lee. And speaking of that Dallas defense, looks like Melvin Gordon is pretty much the top play at running back against this Dallas D who has just been abysmal without Lee in the lineup. He's going to miss again. His communication skills are just sorely missed when he's not in the lineup. Uh, the run defense goes down the chute. Uh, you know, teams are kind of just moving the ball at will up and down the field on Dallas. So we don't have to talk too much about Gordon. But, you know, after that, you, you mentioned, TJ, the the Vikings and kind of team stack there. So we have these two backs, Latavius Murray and Jarek McKinnon. And it's kind of what's happening is McKinnon and Murray are kind of splitting the snaps almost 50-50, splitting the touches up almost 50-50. But McKinnon's getting most of the targets. And as of late, not really any of the, the goal line work, whereas Murray's getting the goal line work and he's not getting many targets. So any particular Viking running back that you, you favor in, in this particular matchup? Running back. Uh, I, I think it's worth noting that the Lions have allowed the, the fifth most uh, passing yards to opposing running backs this year. So I, I think McKinnon maybe has a safer floor than he might have had in, in a few other games. We have seen uh, game script make Murray the better play the last few weeks. And you mentioned those uh, touches inside the red zone and especially inside the 10, uh, the eighth most rushes inside the 10 since uh, Dalvin Cook got hurt. So especially if I'm playing on FanDuel, I think I'm, I'm going to favor uh, that touchdown upside for Murray because we are looking for those red zone and uh, touches inside the 10 yard line. And I, Vikings are favored. So the game script should go the way of Murray. Uh, but then on on DraftKings, I think it's probably a little bit closer just because you can get that PPR value of McKinnon. But again, on Thanksgiving, I'm probably not going to be playing too many cash games, really favoring tournaments on these shorter slates. And, and with that touchdown upside, I think Murray edges out McKinnon a little bit. Yeah, and I think both of those guys edge out both of the Detroit running backs. It's just a mm -hmm. much tougher matchup for them the vikings are first i believe in schedule adjusted uh, fantasy points allowed to the running back position theo riddick actually had a season high uh, 10 or 11 touches last week uh, i believe so it's kind of a, a split backfield uh, abdullah has scored some touchdowns of late but he's actually splitting the the goal line work or the the scoring position work with riddick so it's kind of a messy situation there i think both of them are very playable in tournaments but you're kind of throwing darts there with how good the the Vikings are against running backs. They're actually second in schedule-adjusted fantasy points allowed. And TJ, what are your thoughts on uh, Alfred Morris? Because I, I think that he's an interesting play where he's been very efficient this season, 4.9 yards of carry. He They're at home. They're going to get Tyron Smith back. They, they know they kind of have to hide their defense, and the Chargers are ranked 20 eighth in schedule adjusted uh, fantasy points allowed and they've been giving up a ton of yards per carry this, themselves they're at 31st in the week in that metric so um do you, do you like morris or do you think he's kind of um just kind of like a middling play yeah i i mean i, I think you have to work him into uh your player pool if you're going to be playing uh if you're max entering some some of these bigger contests but uh 
he he has outtouched uh, Rod Smith, but out, Rod Smith has outsnapped um, Alfred Morris since Zeke got suspended. And we saw in the the first game Rod Smith be really involved in, in the passing game. And again, this game is a pick'em. Uh, expect to shoot out. So uh, game script could go either way. Uh, that that coin flip worries me a little bit. But I think because the Chargers have struggled so much against running backs, uh, specifically on the ground, they've allowed the most rushing yards uh, to opposing running backs on the ground. And we saw that last week with Shady. Uh, we probably give the nod to Morris here. But again, it is uh, with a little bit of caution because game script really can go either way in this game. Yeah, I think... Um... I think it's it's it, you kind of nailed it. And I, by the way, I misspoke. Morris is actually averaging six point two yards mm-hmm. per carry. The Chargers are giving up four point nine, so only forty two carries for Morris. But he has been uh, pre- pretty efficient. I'm I'm actually betting on Rod Smith seeing a decrease in workload. I mean, he's kind of been a waste mm-hmm. uh, of, of a body out there. I don't. I mean, I don't know who they plan passing down. Maybe they'll make Darren McFadden active today. I could definitely see that that happening um, because he. I think he was a healthy scratch last week and uh Samaj P Ryan probably gets the nod over Orleans Darkwa just because the Redskins are the home favorite but both of those guys could push 420 touches they're more of those the, the, the two down early early down guys so you got to give the edge to the, to the favorite but both of those guys in solid spots as well let's move on to wide receiver uh, Adam Thielen I think he's still in a good spot you know I wrote about him this week in my Ravens review column just talking about how he's been the uh, most highly targeted player in football over the past six weeks and he's delivered I mean he's kind of roasted Josh Norman a couple weeks ago he made a pretty good play to get away from a defender last week and go for a a long touchdown he's killing it out there I think if anything because he plays in the slot he can avoid Darius Slay who has been playing well this season and has limited uh, opposing receivers at times so I think it's good that, that Thielen can move around a little more. So um, are, are you feeling Thielen is kind of the top option on the slate, or do you think um, because of roster construction that it, it would be better to say, maybe save a little cash at the position and, and go with some of the, the more mid-tier options? Wide receiver. I mean, you, you talked about it, like you mentioned in Ray Bond's review, that Thielen's price is rising, but it's it's really just reflective of his production. His production's keeping up with that price, and people tend to shy away from, from those price increases. But, um, I mean, wide receiver three over the past six or seven weeks, and uh, he's just seen a, a ton of volume. So if there's one player that I'm locking in, it's probably Thielen, especially because you mentioned because he is going to get that matchup with Quandre Diggs and avoid those um, outside cornerbacks who are still pretty decent uh, for the Lions. But uh, if there's another pass catcher that I am looking at in the same game, uh, it's probably Golden Tate on the other side for the same reason. He's going to get those uh, those shorter uh, slot passes from uh, Matthew Stafford. And I think that Stafford could really struggle against this Viking secondary. So uh, that that PPR value that Tate offers, I think I like pairing up the two slot receivers in this game. Yeah, I like the Tate call a lot. I think Minnesota is a very well schemed defense. They're they're a very good defense, and what they tend to do is take away the opponent's most dangerous option or at least limit it. And I think they're going to kind of look at what Marvin Jones has been doing down the field over these past uh, month, month and a half and say, you know, we really don't want to allow that. We'll, we'll give up some, some underneath catches to Golden Tate and try to, you know, wrap up and tackle, which Minnesota is usually able to do. So I think Tate is a good bet for some 
volume and definitely my favorite uh, receiver play on the uh, Detroit Lions, not really feeling the outside guys. Xavier Rose probably going to play this week. And uh, Trey Waynes has been a lot better this year as well. So Minnesota is kind of tough to really get one over their head. On the outside for the Redskins, we have Jamison Crowder. He has been busy over his past three games, finally starting to come alive with the volume that a lot of us expected, I would say, before the season progressed. It's kind of been a disaster for for these Redskins receivers who were drafted high in regular redraft leagues. Terrell Pryor's done, and Crowder really started slow, but Crowder has 13, 11, and 8 targets over his past three games. Dominic Rogers, Cromartie plays the slot, has been giving up a, a decent amount of production from the slot. It hasn't been as good as last year. You have to wonder if some of that is effort-related, but in either case, especially with um, you know Janoris Jenkins kind of reappearing and you know, giving some effort last week, he'll probably get matched up with Josh Doxson a little more. I think I like Crowder in, in the slot. But on the other side, it's kind of interesting, TJ, if, if Sterling Shepard misses this game, uh, are the Giants pass catchers just off limits, or are you thinking of maybe Roger Lewis, Tavares King in a, in a tournament? Yeah, I'm I'm not messing with any wide receiver against those uh those Washington DBs, uh uh Bashad Breeland and and Josh Norman. I mean, the only reason I would have liked Sterling Shepard is because he and Evan Ingram have had a, a really concentrated target share when they've actually played together. They just haven't had that much work together and uh, Shepard would have avoided them in the slot, but it looks like he's he's still dealing with those concussion sy- symptoms. Uh, Jamison Crowder from the slot, I mean, he could see an even bigger workload just in the short passing game with Chris Thompson out. I don't know if, if Byron Marshall is ne- necessarily going to have time to get uh, acclimated to the offense on a short week, and we know how concerned uh, head coaches t- tend to be with putting a, a running back in a new situation when it comes to pass blocking. So I like Crowder a lot in the short pass game. If I'm if I'm going to take a flyer on a uh, another wide receiver in this game, I think it's probably Josh Doxson. The Giants have allowed uh, the six most yards per pass attempt this season, and and those deep balls really do uh, bode well for for Doxson. So if he could pull down a couple long ones, maybe one for a score. Uh, that could be a, a GPP winning play there. Yeah, Dotskin's really emerging. A uh, lot better play, I think, on DraftKings. On FanDuel, he's actually priced above Crowder, which is mm-hmm. kind of interesting. Um, but And in this Chargers game, Chargers-Cowboys, we know we have Dez, target monster for the Cowboys. He has a tough matchup against uh, Casey Hayward. We'll probably see a lot of him. Um, really hasn't been there for Dez, you know, the, the monster blow-up game. He's obviously, as I've said on this podcast before, not the same receiver he was in his prime. Um, still a good receiver, but um, he hasn't had a 100-yard game yet. It's been pretty inefficient, so I think you're kind of relying on him for volume, which I'm sure he'll get, but it's kind of you're just hoping that he gets one of his red zone TDs and really kind of pays off that salary because, again, pretty inefficient. And, uh, you know, besides that, I mean, everyone else kind of dart throw. You know, Cole Beasley might appear, probably has the best matchup uh, San Diego's corners on the outside have been really, really good. So um, we might see him, but um, TJ on the uh, Chargers side, uh, do you go back to Keenan Allen here? I mean, nothing's really imposing about the matchup. Um, his price did come up now. Uh, we also have Mike Williams in the mix. He played a season high in snaps and got 28% of the air yards last week, but that could have been due to 
Travis Benjamin being out. Both of them are on the injury report. They both look look like they're going to play. Um, so so what do you, how do you feel about the uh, the Chargers wideouts? Yeah, I I probably don't feel as strongly about the the Chargers uh, pass catchers as, as I do of the any any of the other pass catchers on on any of the other teams. Really, you mentioned Dez, and I think. Uh, Given that this game's probably going to shoot out or most likely to shoot out at least, you have to take a shot at those red zone targets. Cole Beasley, um, all of his red zone targets have come inside the 10. So when he is getting thrown at near the goal line, it's really close to the goal line. Uh, I mean, Keenan Allen, it looks like he's going to be that target monster. I think people are going to automatically assume that because he had the huge game last week. Uh, but before that, targets of seven, five, and seven in the three uh, previous games. So I think that between him and Mike Williams, you probably just spread your shares out a little uh, more evenly. And I'm going to be more aggressive with Des and Thielen than I'm going to be with uh, Allen. And at tight end, we have the Giants on the slate. They gave up a touchdown to a tight end in their first nine games. Finally snapped the streak last week, but they still give up I believe it's nine catches and 120 yards to Chiefs tight ends, uh, including uh, eight for 109 to Travis Kelsey. So Vernon Davis, probably the safest bet for production. Looks like Jordan Reed's going to miss again. And then on the high end, you have Evan Ingram, probably going to be a target monster with Sterling Shepard out. Now we will see how that goes because last week Ingram kind of struggled a bit. I guess the defense can pay all of its attention to him now without Shepard to really worry about. But Washington is ranked 29th in schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed to tight end. So I think Ingram is definitely a worthy GPP kind of play. And I mean, I don't, even, even if he kind of get, gets a lot of attention, I don't see how he doesn't get a ton of volume. I, I do like him as a DraftKings play a little more than on FanDuel. But TJ, uh, as far as, you know, beyond those two, Let's say you're looking to pay down a little, or, or are you looking at, is it just Kyle Rudolph? He's had seven targets in, in four straight, nine in two games before that. Um, or are you considering maybe Ebron or anybody like that? Or is it just kind of Ingram and Davis for you? Titan. I like the idea of uh, having a fair amount of Kyle Rudolph and being overweight for whatever that might mean on a, on a three-game slate. But the Titan ownership, I have to assume it's going to be really concentrated towards Davis and Ingram for the reasons you said there. Obviously, the the worst defenses against tight end on this slate, and uh, they're they're seeing very considerable volume. But uh, Detroit ranks twenty fourth in tight end schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed to uh, tight ends, which isn't good, and it's just going to go overshadowed by the Giants and the Redskins. And uh, Rudolph's accounted for over a quarter of uh, the Vikings' red zone targets. So if they do put up a nice number here, uh, that's that's pretty decent red zone volume. He just hasn't really capitalized on it much this year, but. On the short slate, when you could pivot at a volatile position, I really like the idea of doing that. Yeah, I like Rudolph too. I think he's probably cash viable just given the amount of targets um, that he's gotten over his last four or six games. And the matchup and on for the defense special teams, I think it's interesting. You have the Redskins. They're the biggest favorite. They're seven, seven and a half point favorites as of this recording, depending on where you look on uh, Wednesday night. And then... You have the Chargers there. They're they're a cheaper option. They're a road favorite. There's their pass rush is really coming on. Joey Bosa, Melvin Ingram. They got Perriman back to kind of fortify that that front seven as well. Uh, Tyron Smith's going to be back though. So are you paying up for this Redskins 
D, are you, are you looking kind of in the middle at the Vikings maybe, you know, just as like a solid all-around D, or you, you want to go down more to the Chargers and just take your shots with, the, with that pass rush? Defense. I think it's a really interesting play because that game's expected to shoot out. So at first glance, there's not a favorite right now, and there's not a team that you're going to want to target. But I mean, Tyron Smith's only been out for for two games, and Dallas still ranks 27th in adjusted fantasy points to opposing defenses. And like you mentioned, that Chargers pass rush, I think I might willing to be take a shot at to take a shot at it just because uh, they're priced a, a little bit uh, cheaper than some of these other defenses that we might be targeting. And, and I think you could pretty easily take the giants and the Cowboys off of the board in terms of your defensive player pool. So uh, I'm probably going to mix them in as a price saving option in spots where I need to pay up at some other positions, but uh Redskins probably the obvious defense one in terms of, of just overall rankings because they are huge favorites. Never take the defense playing Phillip Rivers out of your player pool. Like, <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> like, like, I mean, I expect the Chargers to have a lot of success, but I mean, in a GPP, you never know because this dude can, he can't move, so he could easily just have a meltdown. It's in Dallas. So I, I would kind of, I, I would I would be willing to at least take a shot at the, the Dallas, maybe with an Alfred Morris stack. That's a fair like that. point. They've they've just been so abysmal without Lee in the lineup oh, this this year that it's it's tough to to stomach that. But that is a good point. Yeah, I mean the only thing about defenses is it's usually like a terrible defense can have like a lot of points in a given game. Mm-hmm. Like I think you see the Colts or the Browns do it every so often. But yeah, I, I yeah it's been bad for Dallas um, without Sean Lee. So it'll be an interesting game there. But let's get into the main slate now. Uh, start off at quarterback with. A guy who, TJ, he's been for the last six, seven weeks just miles ahead of every other quarterback. Yeah, you uh, another uh, spot that you highlighted in Raybon's review this week, Russell Wilson at San Francisco. Uh, Seattle's favored by six and a half with the implied point total just under 26. There's a lot of offensive offenses this week with high implied point totals that are really big favorites. Uh, so I'm interested to see how quarterback ownership's going to shake out. But uh, I really like Russell Wilson, 8,600 on Fanduel, just 6,500 dollars on DraftKings. Uh, Seattle's they've they've been a pass first team. I, I don't think it's a secret at this point in game neutral situations. They rank seventh in pass rate, and they have the second highest pass rate inside the red zone. Uh, that's obviously re- led to Russ accounting for uh, a huge percentage of this offense, 23 of their 24 offensive touchdowns. And I mentioned how how much they've been throwing inside the red zone. I think one big boost that Russ Wilson gets is his main red zone target this year is Jimmy Graham. Jimmy Graham leads the league in red zone targets by a, a pretty noticeable margin, 22 red zone targets on the year. And on paper, this looks like a bad matchup uh, for Jimmy Graham's. The Niners have been really good uh, over the entire season against tight ends. But since uh, Jaquiski Tart has got hurt, they've allowed a touchdown to a tight end in every single game. Uh, the, the Niners rank 20th in quarterback adjusted fantasy points allowed but they have the eighth highest touchdown rate allowed to the position so uh, from an efficiency standpoint a lot of things lining up really good for us and uh, I think people are going to look to San Francisco see how bad they are against the run and maybe try to find a way to work in uh, McKissick but 
I mean, Russell Wilson's going to get a, a ton of those rushing yards as well. He's one of two quarterbacks with uh, at least 300 rushing yards on the season. So he's just going to account for such a big percentage of this offense in this game and just in any game, really, that I really like his value this week. Yeah, that's a great call. Um, I, you know, I've said it before, and I think on this podcast and on other podcasts, but Russell Wilson right now is essentially in fantasy anyway. He's Aaron Rodgers at this point. He's just their entire offense, and they're getting pass heavier and pass heavier, and he's a, he's accounting for all their offense, whether it's passing or rushing or whatever. It's kind of reminiscent of the Packers when they had no running game. Um, Wilson is actually seven thousand on fa- um, DraftKings, but that's still um, still to me the best value of any quarterback on that slate. I think he's pretty much, you almost have to lock him in just because he's been scoring on just a whole different plane from all these other quarterbacks, um, including the guy I'm about to mention, Tom Brady, who has been excellent in his own right. He's uh, 9,100 on FanDuel, 7,700 on DraftKings. He's in another one of these smash spots. The Dolphins ranked 26th in schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed to quarterbacks. Brady has the most 300-yard games this season with six. He His 314.6 passing yards per game is the most in the league by 30 passing yards per game. So he's just – passing yards are the most consistent statistic from one week to the next for quarterbacks. So Tom Brady giving you a lot of safety there and should be able to top 300 yards again against this Dolphins defense. The Patriots, as we record this, are implied for over 32 implied points. Implied points are one of the most predictive uh, metrics that we have available before the game starts for quarterback. It's the most predictive uh, aspect of the Vegas lines for quarterbacks. And um, when you see an implied total this high, this might be one of the highest of the year. Um, If not the highest, you kind of have to jump on that. And um, Brady, one of the, one of the best bets, I think uh, that we're going to see all year for, for 300 yards and at least a couple of touchdowns. Um, I mentioned that high implied total, 76% of the Patriots touchdowns this season have come via the forward pass. So it looks like their Vegas odds are giving them a pretty good shot at scoring four touchdowns. And if the Patriots are scoring 76% of those three to air, three touchdowns is kind of almost a, a baseline median projection for Tom Brady in this game. So Uh, really like Brady against these Miami Dolphins. Yeah. And I I think that um, this might be, I mean, on paper it shows, but uh, it hasn't been the case all year, but I think this might finally be a a crazy Gronk smash spot. Uh, Everything just lines up really well. Uh, Red zone uh, passing red zone touchdown rate allowed by the Dolphins. Just everything's pointing his way and Gronk hasn't been uh, as dominant as we've seen, but I really like pairing those two together this week. Definitely. Uh, moving on to running back, uh, my top guy on the main slate is Todd Gurley. He's $8,500 on FanDuel, $8,800 on DraftKings. Uh, Lavian Bell is only on the main slate on FanDuel, so that takes that really tough decision point uh, out of uh, out of the, the lineup making, at least on DraftKings. Uh, New Orleans and the Rams have the highest projected over-under of the week this week at 53.5, and uh Todd Gurley is our, our top projected value on both sites this week. The Rams are actually favored by two and a half over uh, the Saints at home, which is is a line that surprised me a little bit. But uh, again, that that home 
home field advantage, I guess, is is coming into play. And both of these defenses have been playing fairly well. New Orleans ranks top 10 uh, in against every position in schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed, uh, except for running backs where they rank 22nd. So we've been talking about those uh, funnels where we could find them pretty much all year. Uh, Chris, you have your funnel rating over in your weekly slate matchup and, and New Orleans uh, shows up as a, as a running back funnel there. And then we're always looking for a scoring opportunity. Only Le'Veon Bell has more opportunities inside the 10 this year than Gurley. Uh, Gurley has 23 to Bell's 26. So uh, they're pretty much neck and neck and they're, they're, almost lapping the field in that respect. So in, in this high-scoring game where Gurley's seen a ton of workload near the goal line, uh, I think he's a, a really good bet to uh, not only hit but exceed value. Yeah, Ty Gurley's in the absolute smash spot uh, this week, and I'm actually going with a running back on the other side of that matchup, and that is Mark Ingram. He's 8,300 on uh, – what is it, DraftKings or FanDuel? Hmm. It's on um, DraftKings, he's 83. FanDuel, he's 82. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. And since week six, Mark Ingram has been the highest scoring running back in fantasy football. Uh, you know, Alvin Kamara, actually number two. But, you know, as I wrote about in Raybon's review, if you're looking at, at it for a safer play, if you're looking for that cash game play, I think you have to go with Ingram because he he's less likely to regress when you consider that he's averaging 22 touches per game um, since Adrian Peterson was traded to Kamara's 14. Uh, Ingram has handled 44% of the Saints plays inside the 10-yard line. Kamara's handled 24%. And, and Kamara also leading the league in yards per carry uh, at over six a pop. So a little more uh, regression also likely there. So um, you know, I love Kamara. I think he's probably at this point the front runner for rookie in the year with uh, Kareem Hunt slowing down a little bit. But in terms of just the safer overall play, the guy with the, a bit more touchdown upside, I think you have to look at Mark Ingram in this game, this kind of high-scoring, close game. Uh, the Rams, another team that do, does a lot better defending the pass, or at least giving up fantasy production to the pass than the run. They rank 28th in schedule-adjusted fantasy points allowed to the running back position. They actually rank second in schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed to quarterbacks. So a uh, really good spot again for, 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 the, for the Saints running game in general, but um, Mark Ingram, I think just a little bit less likely uh, to experience some of that uh, negative regression. Were you surprised at all by, by this line after the, the Rams came off that loss against the Vikings and, and Saints are obviously just rolling. I mean, sometimes in these games like this, uh, the, the line reflects public perception a little bit more. What would you take from the Rams being favored here? I mean, my first thought was it's kind of an evenly matched game, and the Rams are favored by two and a half, which means if it was on a neutral field, I think the Saints would kind of be favored by like a half mm-hmm. a point or something like that. But mm-hmm. um, one thing that's pretty important that happened, and I don't – because the line opened, it was Rams by two, so it has moved up a, a half a point. I'm not sure if that's significant. I'll probably jump around. Um, but – the Saints, Marshawn Lattimore, their cornerback, is mm-hmm. probably not going to play in this game. And now Ken Crawley popped up on an injury report, did not practice Wednesday with an ab injury. Um, Marshawn Lattimore is the number uh, three cornerback in pro football focuses, cornerback ratings, and uh, Ken Crawley is number 17. So if those two guys, or even if Lattimore just by himself is not in the lineup, that kind of 
reverts the Saints defense a little bit back to to what it's been before. I mean, it's obviously still better, but I think the the, the cornerback play that they were getting this year was kind of really what was setting them apart and kind of making this defense what it is where, you know, you, you yeah, you could run on the Saints, but, you know, when you get into those situations where you have to throw on them, you couldn't really do it with those outside corners. And now you have a situation where if those guys are out of the lineup, I think this game could really, I, I do like the, uh, that total there. I think it's a, I think it is a good chance to kind of hit that, that 50, 55 point uh, mark. But um, yeah, it's, it's, I mean, I think it's a pretty evenly matched game. Maybe the Saints deserve another point or so, but after the, depending on what happens with the corners, I think it, it might even out. Yeah, that was actually the one thing that I've been looking at uh, this week is is Marshawn Lattimore and if he's going to play or not. And and that's why when we move on to the receivers here is why I cho- chose uh, Cooper Cup as the wide receiver that I like on, on FanDuel at $5,400. Uh, I mean, he, he plays the slot, so he was going to avoid some of that uh, tough boundary coverage that, that the Saints have offered. But uh, I mean, obviously, just if, if you're going to have a, a weakened secondary, that's going to improve uh, your overall passing game for the Rams. And, and with Robert Woods out this week, that means uh, Cup should see an uptick in targets. I, I've seen some people uh, talking up Sammy Watkins a little bit, but Sammy Watkins has only seen uh, more than five targets once all year. Cup's been a little more consistent out of the slot, averaging uh, over six targets per game. And the reason that I really like him on FanDuel is because of that red zone work. He ranks uh, fourth in the league in red zone targets. And uh, the, where the Saints have struggled a little bit is against the slot receivers. They've allowed 70 plus yards to a slot receiver four times this year. And uh, in this high scoring game with with that uh, red zone volume, I, I think Cup is is probably my favorite play um, of any of the receivers in this game, really, just because if you include the the value that you're getting on him. And uh, in addition to those red zone targets, he's seen 30% of the uh, Rams targets inside the 10. So with, with him and Gurley, you can get uh, theoretically all that touchdown production in this high scoring game. And then over on DraftKings, uh, climb the ladder up in pricing a little bit, go up to Julio Jones at $7,700 versus Tampa Bay. Julio Jones prices up uh, $400 from last week, but it's still the second lowest salary that he's had on DraftKings since 2014. And we, we saw Julio start out a little bit slower than we might expect for Julio. In the first four weeks of the season, he ranked 24th in targets. Over the last six weeks since the Falcons buy, Julio's fourth in targets. So that target share uh, just continues to climb. And uh, he does have 10 red zone targets in that six-week span. So that's uh, kind of been the bugaboo for Jones over the past couple of seasons, not getting those red zone targets. And, and over the last six weeks, averaging over a red zone target per game. So in a spot where uh, the Falcons are expected to score over 29 points against a Tampa Bay defense that ranks uh, last in catches and yards allowed to opposing wide receivers. Even if Julio um, continues to to struggle to find the end zone on DraftKings with the PPR, with the 100-yard bonus, he could still put up uh, a really monster game against the struggling secondary. And, and uh, he, he might not even need the red zone targets to find the end zone this year. Uh, this week, only four teams have allowed more pass plays of 15 plus yards than the Buccaneers this year. So uh, volume and chance at some really big splash plays against this defense this week. Yeah, they've, they've really struggled uh, against the wide receiver position. Julio probably due for some touchdown regression at some points, especially now that he's getting more red zone targets. So I definitely like it. Um, wide receiver is actually kind of interesting after those two guys, especially Cup. Um, so I'm going a little bit more off the board here. And I probably normally would, but uh, Corey Coleman 
on DraftKings. He's down at 4,300. And the reason I like him this week against Cincinnati, even though it's a pretty tough matchup on paper against these Cincinnati corners, they rank seventh in schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed two wide receivers is because Coleman came back last week. It was his first game back and he got 11 targets and put up six catches for 80 yards against uh, the Jaguars defense and the Jaguars defense. They rank first in schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed to wide receivers. We already know how good their cornerbacks are. And, you know, for Coleman to, to do that, he actually got uh, 50% of the, Brown's air yards last week. His all his other full game he played. He also put up a five catches, fifty three yards, and a touchdown against a very tough uh, Pittsburgh defense as well. So I think this is just a situation where he's going to get force fed targets. And on DraftKings at forty three hundred, even if he doesn't score a touchdown, I just like uh, his upside at that price. He's a former first round pick, has some speed, has some explosiveness, and Deshaun Kaiser really Coleman's really been the only receiver that Deshaun Kaiser's had any success with and that's not really that surprising so uh, I do like Coleman you know he had 34% target share as well to that 50% air yard share uh, last week and played 93% of the Cleveland Browns snap so uh, you know kind of a little not the most comfortable play but given the price I think you definitely have to look at at Corey here and then over on FanDuel uh, you mentioned you like uh, Rob Gronkowski. I, I like Rob Gronkowski. I also like Brandon Cooks in this game. He's had 74 yards and or a touchdown in seven of 10 games this season. He's had double-digit points on Fanduel in five of his last six games. He leads the Patriots with a 31% air yard market share. And we know he makes his hay on the deep ball. Only three teams have allowed more touchdowns on passes traveling 16 or more yards in the air than the Miami Dolphins, they've allowed seven touchdowns on such passes. So I think Brandon Cooks, you know, Tom Brady this year, the New England offense, they take their shots down the field. Um, that even might explain a little bit why Gronk's production is down a little bit. Um, they're they're kind of looking deeper than him now. And, uh, you know, they're, they're going to take these shots. They're probably going to be the Cooks. And I like, I, I like, uh, I like his chances of um, coming through with another strong game this week. Yeah, I, I actually, it's really funny. I, I was going over my, my wide receivers earlier today and I looked at Corey Coleman and my, one of my thoughts was that that looks like a, a Chris Raybon play uh, way, way back early in the preseason in your wide receiver playbook. You mentioned uh, comparing uh, deepness of targets to uh, an offensive or defensive line play. And you, you mentioned those Corey Coleman, uh, 50% of air yards. Cincinnati's defense is good, but they rank in the bottom half of the league in uh, adjusted sack rate. So uh, they might have a little bit of time to to let those plays develop. And Jacksonville ranks first in that stat adjusted sack rate. So that's a team that should have really been getting after uh, the the Browns last week and, and preventing some of those passes to Coleman. So if, if Kaiser has a little bit more time, uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see some of those deep balls turn into a, a, a big player too this week. I mean, Kaiser always has time in his head. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> like, I think the, the Browns O-line, I think if you look at them individually, they've actually been playing well. Obviously, Joe Thomas not in the lineup anymore, but the Browns offensive line hasn't been like terrible. It's just mm -hmm. Kaiser will hold the ball. But I mean, if he's going to force, you know, half of their air yards to Coleman, then I'm, I want in. Yeah, that's that's a, a really good GPP call. I think I, I've been playing some some higher stakes, lower, uh, smaller field games, but uh, I, I think I might play dabble in some some larger fields just to get some Coleman. This oh, I week. might, I might, but, uh, I'm playing them in cash. I'm probably playing them in cash. Like <laughs> okay, I just, okay. I mean, again, just you know, I, I I talk about how you know you 
in wide receivers, you got to look at the production, you know, more than mm -hmm. just the volume. But um, over like the small sample size, we only have like a couple of games, three, two, three games for Coleman. I mean, he's just been dominating volume. And that's kind of when you're still looking at volume as like your leading predictive indicator. So, I mean, you know, it, it, it could it could go horribly wrong. But <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. I think I think there's not a lot. There's not a lot of great value, at least until we get more news on the Saints. Um, you know, if, if Crawley's out, I think then Watkins comes a lot more into play. Sure. If both of their corners are out, you can maybe you stack Watkins cup and Gurley and just kind of try to get all of the Rams offensive production in that, that high scoring or projected to be high scoring game. But um, as of right now, I'm definitely considering uh, Coleman even in cash. Yeah. But I mean, you, you mentioned that there's, there just hasn't, there's not a lot of volume this week. There hasn't been a lot of volume at uh, a, a lot of value. I'm sorry. At any of those, those volatile positions like wide receiver and tight end, the, the pricing's just been uh, pretty much lockstep with production of these players. So if you can find that cheap volume, I mean, all you have to do is, is look at my uh, write-ups for wide receiver and wide receivers and tight ends. There just aren't that many players in the value section because uh, pricing, pricing is, is as it should be. Um, and I mean, staying on on that volatility and, and having to pay up at these positions moving on to tight end my favorite tight end of the week is is travis kelsey he's, he's at the top of pricing but i mean 7500 on fanduel 7300 on DraftKings. He, he's he's bad offense proof now i mean we saw it last week he it was a great matchup but uh the the chiefs did everything they could to to be horrible last week, and Kelsey uh, still put up a monster game. He's the the only tight end seeing over twenty five percent of his team's targets. And and keep going back to your Ray Bonds review teams, like you mentioned, they've they've kind of adjusted to this zone coverage against the Chiefs. And and Kelsey said after the game that uh, they're an offense that can't beat cover two, but uh, if if teams are going to going to play that defense against you, anybody that's that's ever played Madden knows if you're playing against cover two, just uh, put that tight end in the seam and, and let him catch uh, those 10, 15 yard passes. And I think Kelsey's uh, going to continue to do that. And uh, even even though Kansas City has struggled and really struggled last week, Vegas is still projecting them to score over 28 points. They they have the Chiefs as a 10 point favorite over Buffalo. And that's uh that's a situation that we really want to target our tight ends, home favorites with a big point total. And if Kansas City does recognize that point total, unlike last week, they have the fourth highest red zone pass rate uh, inside the red zone this year. And Kelsey ranks third among tight ends in red zone target share. So just going to continue to to pound those Kelsey shares. Yeah, I think uh, it's, it's, it's really interesting. This game in general is just kind of going to be, I think there's going to be a lot of coaching going on in this game. Like, because you have, you know, you have Buffalo probably having to you know, walk back on what, what they did last week at quarterback. And you have KC mm -hmm. with the players coming out and saying, hey, we just can't beat a specific defense. And it's just, I, I, I guarantee you're going to see, you're going to see some, some interesting, some interesting play calling and schemes this week. So that's actually, even though it's a, a large spread game, I mean, you still are two teams that are right in the thick of the playoff race. So that's a game I'm actually going to be watching pretty closely even though you know it might not seem like one of those games um that's that interesting i think it it is and and just so you guys out there know um the the Raybonds review column that tj and i've been referring to it's actually free this week so you guys can go check it out it, it should be on my pinned uh, tweet over at chris Raybon, but it's usually for uh four for four dfs subscribers but it's thanksgiving we decided to uh give one away you know i'm, I'm really big on kind of analyzing the the past results, I think it's probably one of the most valuable things that you can do in DFS instead of jumping straight into the new slate is 
kind of just looking back and looking at the winning lineups and looking at some things that happened in the week before and what you can learn from it. So I definitely recommend that you guys check that out if you're interested. My tight end is Delaney Walker. He is 5,000 on DraftKings, 5,900 on FanDuel. He's one of seven tight ends in the league in this kind of glut, uh, averaging over seven targets uh, per game between 7.2 and 8.2. He's right at 7.2. And, you know, targets per game for the tight end position actually a little bit more predictive than it is for the wide receiver position when you get a decent sample size just because wide receiver production, their actual fantasy points, tends to stabilize a bit more um, as the season progresses and gives you a better insight into what they're going to do in the future just because the target distances vary so much. But with tight ends, it's, a, it's everything's a little more concentrated as far as the target distances for the most part. So you see targets a little more predictive. Um, and Dwayne Walker is fourth in the league in target share for t- the tight end position at 22%. And you know, I just talked about how the target distances kind of are more of the same. You know, they're more similar from tight end to tight end. But Delaney Walker is actually one of those outliers where he averages, uh, he's responsible, excuse me, for 26% of the Titans market share of air yardage. That's second among tight ends in the league. So, you know, this is a this is a guy who hasn't caught a touchdown in 10 games over 70 two targets, but he's actually tied for the team lead in red zone target share as well. So I think Delaney Walker actually has some untapped upside here. He's due for some positive regression. You know, he's getting the, the, the kind of some of the deepest targets that tight ends are getting. And he's also getting a decent share of, of red zone work as well. So, you know, you, he's going against the Colts. They are 23rd in schedule adjusted fancy points allowed to the tight end position. I think, you know, you can play Walker in cash. He's been over 60 yards in uh, four straight games, but you can. he also has a lot of upside in tournaments as well just because of the the work he's getting in the red zone, even though he hasn't cashed in yet in, in his air yards. Yeah, very uh, Ebron-esque touchdown rate for Walker of late, but we, we've seen him scoring <laughs> punches before. So uh, I think probably Tennessee – uh, after they got embarrassed on national TV this week, we'll we'll try to take advantage of this good matchup against the Colts. Uh, moving on to defense, there's there's four or five defenses that are are really close in, in both value and just uh, just matchup this week. But I'm gonna go of that group um, with probably the the best defense of the bunch. I mean, Jacksonville is probably the best defense, but they're they're markedly more expensive than some of these value plays that are priced a little bit more down. Uh, the Eagles are forty nine hundred on FanDuel, $3,600 on DraftKings against Chicago. They're 13.5-point home favorites. Uh, Chicago's projected for just 15.25 points. Uh, I, I do like to look for a defense that's going to uh, face a team that that passes a little bit more, but like I mentioned, the Eagles have just been a, a, a good real defense. They rank uh, top six in both pass and rush DVOA, which is a metric that that Football Outsiders uh, uses just to, to measure the, the real football skill of a defense just for strength of schedule. And the Eagles have been forcing turnovers at a pretty high rate, top four in forced interception rate. Uh, Chicago is bottom 10 in adjusted sack rate allowed. So we like to find a defense that can get after the quarterback. And if they, they do get up on a, a big lead like Vegas is projecting, uh, like I mentioned, Chicago 
doesn't throw the ball a lot, but if you force a team to to go into a game mode that they're not comfortable with, with that offensive line and with the Eagles uh, turnover prone defense, then uh, I think that's probably a favorable situation. And uh, again, they are, they do project as a top value, um, at least on, on DraftKings. They're right behind Steelers, but Steelers are, um, are not on the main slate on DraftKings. So I uh, really like Philly this week. Yeah, I do too. Ronald Darby looked really good. He looked like mm. he improved that, that secondary substantially last week. I know Dallas doesn't have the strongest uh, kind of supporting cast of wideouts outside of Dez, but uh, Ronald Darby looked really good for that defense. And for kicker, I'm going with Matt Bryant here. He's 4,900, home favorite against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Falcons, as we recorded this, are implied for 29 points, so another team with a pretty high Implied total this is only the fourth time all season. Matt Bryant has been under 5K, and he's been pretty consistent. He scored double-digit FanDuel points in 60% of his games. He's only had fewer than seven points twice all year. So like the spot for uh, Matt Bryant in this one, just get a little savings over some of the other guys like the, the Gostkowskis and whatnot, and Chris Boswell on FanDuel in a good spot as well. But the Steelers tend to go for two a little bit more at home, so I'm always wary of kind of of kind of rolling them out at home, especially since the Steelers are also more likely to score touchdowns at home than field goals. They tend to rack up a lot of field goals, um, struggle a little more on the road. So um, like Matt Bryant in this spot is kind of a, a, a little bit of a you know balance between you know that the, the cheaper Basla on the more expensive uh, Gostowski. But let's get into this primetime slate. You got the Steelers. Hosting the Packers, the spread is 14 points. It seems like the public is just really bullish on the Steelers because they're still at this 14-point spread. It looks like they're getting seventy over 70% of the uh, public bets. I'm not sure what the, what the public money is on, but the line doesn't look like it's, uh, it's, it's, it's uh, getting any lower. So um seems like the public is really bullish on the Steelers here. And then we have the... Houston Texans at the Baltimore Ravens. Ravens favored by seven points. So that's an implied score of 22.5 to 15.5 as of this recording. DraftKings has unique excuse me, pricing for the primetime slate, so keep that in mind. Now, uh, I guess we start at quarterback here. You know, Houston is last in schedule-adjusted uh, fantasy points allowed to quarterbacks, but Joe Flacco was pretty much last in everything with quarterbacks. Mm. So it's like, uh, is it just Big Ben? Like, what do you do at quarterback here? Yeah, I mean, it's before I get into quarterback, I think the slate really just comes down to what what Packers and Texans are you going to be willing to play in your lineup? Because it's really just going to be a lot of Pittsburgh and Baltimore stacks. Um, I think because the positional players do match up so well uh, for Baltimore and, and they are favored that just by by uh, lack of other options, you have to throw out a, a couple uh, Flacco lineups and pricing is really tough on this slate. I mean, you got the the three, uh, pretty much the three highest volume players in the league, at least at their position, Le'Veon Bell, Antonio Brown, and and DeAndre Hopkins. So uh, with the, the pricing not being uh, the same as the full slate, at least on DraftKings, uh, players priced up, I think Antonio Brown's $10,000 on DraftKings. It's just going to be really hard to find 
a salary saving spot that you're comfortable with. And I mean, Flacco is is going to give that to you. I, I just can't imagine a situation where you're going to want to play um, Savage or Hunley. So, Fla- I mean, Flacco is expected to have some some regression i guess he's just really bad so i mean a number like like touchdown regression in the red zone you kind of have to throw it out but uh you you can't roll out a hundred percent of ben lineups can you uh i mean i i wouldn't recommend <laughs> doing that with almost i mean you could but i mean i don't know i i, I haven't thought about the slate too much because we're still doing the still kind of on the thanksgiving slate here as we record <laughs> this but man it's just oh my i mean you, all right i'm gonna put this in perspective Brett Hundley is averaging more points per game than Joe Flacco. <laughs> like, so like, <laughs> like, it's just like, it's, it's just a messy situation um, at this, at this quarterback uh, position. I mean, what Tom Savage, I, I mean, you almost have to consider Tom Savage just because if you're thinking about it, like Tom Savage is the, essentially the best receiving if, if 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 fuller plays i mean you know ben has brown but you know savage would have hopkins and fuller he'd essentially sure. have the same the best receiving core um you know kind of most balanced receiving core anyway although you know well that's mostly with juju being you know questionable if juju plays then mm-hmm. um he didn't practice wednesday uh considered a small issue so i guess he will play but i mean just as kind of an arbitrage on big ben i i'd almost lean savage here just for the for the strength of the wide receivers i mean i think we've seen this maybe it was in 20 i want to say 14 or 15 deandre hopkins had a monster game one game and it was uh ryan fitzpatrick ended up throwing for like six touchdowns just off the strength of deandre going for like 230 yards or something like that so you know as i think about this now i think i actually like savage is my second favorite play as disgusting as that is that uh is that sounds yeah, I mean, one thing that Savage will will let you do, and this is something you need to think about on these short slates, is he lets you get to Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell. Now, you have to wait. How many people are going to be willing to play Tom Savage to get to to Brown and Bell? And if I mean, if you can have the two best players on the slate by a wide margin uh, and you can take into account correlated passing game and a, a team that's going to be throwing, uh, they're going to have to be throwing and, and you could get the DeAndre Hopkins shares through Savage rather than what other people are going to do, trying to get uh, Hopkins and then get their Antonio Brown share through, through um, Ben Roethlisberger. I mean, that's a unique spot. And and like I said, if, if n- nobody's locking in Bell and Brown together and you're one of the few lineups that does it, that could be a pretty big advantage. And we know quarterback scoring is the flattest at any position. So um, as you talk through that, I, I kind of agree that it's not the worst ideally from a ceiling perspective. Yeah. I think you just convinced me because I'm looking at it now and like on DraftKings, if I go savage, I can get savage and Lamar Miller in there. Um, so I kind of have, even though it's a really tough matchup, obviously against the Ravens. D, I mean, there's only two games on the slate, so I can kind of lock in, you know, the entire offense of whatever offense they do muster. Um, against the Ravens with, with Savage and Miller and I can still get Ben Ben and Brown in there and still have you know enough salary to, I mean Bell and Brown excuse me in there and still have enough salary to kind of build a solid lineup of players that get decent volume with those other uh four slots so uh, yeah I'm I'll probably Savage will probably be my kind of go-to GPP option actually just because yeah if you if you play if you're playing uh Bell and Brown, and you're trying to play Big Ben. I mean, you're essentially using min price players at every yeah, other well, spot. 
Let's talk about that a little bit because I don't necessarily know that Lamar Miller is the the lock uh, running back two behind Le'Veon Bell. Alex Collins actually out targeted Danny Woodhead last week, and and uh, I mean Woodhead is going to to play a role now that he's active. But uh, Baltimore is a big favorite. We've seen Collins have a couple good games uh, this year, uh, namely against Miami a couple weeks ago, and then. Uh, it, Jamal Williams is going to have to start. Uh, Ty Montgomery looks like he's out. Aaron Jones got is is dealing with some legal issues. He's it's not going to be pretty, but I mean, last week Green Bay basically said we're we're not going to be bad with Hundley, and they gave uh, they gave Williams I think uh, almost twenty touches last week. Uh, so you are going to get some cheap volume from Williams. So. Between those running backs, does anybody stand out to you, or is it clearly Lamar just because he is the starting back without Deontay Foreman? Uh, that you know, I I like Collins a lot. I think you have mm-hmm. to consider Collins because, um, and I've been a big fan of him just kind of all season. Been looking for him to really blow up. He's never had the truly smash spot yet. He's had a nineteen point and a seventeen point game on DraftKings, but um, I I do like Collins. You know, the seven targets last week were very encouraging and I think that really mm-hmm. kind of solidifies um and I was more talking with Miller you know it, if you're locking in Savage down there at 45 you kind of want to get some mm-hmm. balance that out with you know kind of locking in that entire offense so maybe you go Miller but you know I, I like Collins I think Collins probably is the, the the RB2 in this situation as the home favorite he's already getting the carries he's already pretty efficient uh, this season only, only 4,700 on DraftKings and, you know, 20 carries, only 49 yards last week. So that's a little, that's a little troubling. And also a little troubling is that Houston ranks first in schedule adjusted fancy points, allowed two running backs. So mm-hmm. they, they are a tough defense to run against that. That really hasn't changed, even though they've lost a Watt and Merciless. But, you know, volume wise, I think Collins is definitely uh, probably the, 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 the second best running back. Um, I think Miller has a chance to be a little bit more, uh, efficient. I'm. All, I'm also kind. Of, I don't know. Do you think? Do you. What do you, do you think? Like the seven targets for Collins was like a flash in the pan, or like because I, I. It's hard for me to really explain why he got seven targets. I mean, he's had like one or two in pretty much every other, or none in pretty much every other game. It just kind of came out of nowhere. Yeah, I mean, we, we've seen a couple. Uh, we've seen Baltimore do that randomly, and I think that might just be a function of of Joe Flacco's not playing well, and he has to throw the ball short. I mean, a few weeks ago we saw uh, Buck Allen have eight or nine targets, and I mean, he's he's a better pass catcher than than Alex Collins, but uh, I, I think probably that this offense is going to shift to some more of that check down. Uh, t- those check down type plays, especially with Woodhead in the mix. Uh, and, and I think probably Woodhead starts to inherit more of those targets that Collins saw last week, uh, probably a little bit more of an aberration. Cause like you said, uh, Collins isn't a guy that's been targeted, uh, in this offense much, the, the short targets have, uh, without Woodhead in the role have really just been going to Watson of late. And I think if anything, that's what continues. Yeah, it, it, it very well might, because I believe Houston has also been, very good at defending running backs out of the backfield. Let me double check that. Yeah, they're they're allowing uh, only 342 yards in 10 games, so that's fourth best in the league. Only three teams allowing fewer uh, receiving yards to the running back position. So that'll be interesting. I think Woodhead's role will probably be probably excuse me be expanded a little bit. So mm-hmm. um, you know, I think it's kind of a little not pretty with these RB2s in this situation. Um, but, you know, you kind of just have to, you know, it's a two-game slate, so you kind of just have to take some shots at, at, at these guys uh, that are getting 
volume. Let's move on to a wide receiver. Already mentioned Antonio Brown. Not much to to say there as far as the matchup goes. The the Packers tend to be one of the most heavily targeted teams by opponents um, in terms of the wide receiver. Uh, with wide receivers, they're allowing the third most schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed to the position. So Brown is a guy I want to jam in and probably, I think even over uh, um, Bell, if I had to choose for, for a GPP, just because I think you can, it's it, you, interestingly enough, you can probably, you know, if you, if you hit two of those cheaper running backs in a GPP, um, I think you, you're in business. Whereas I don't know if, if another receiver is necessarily going to, to come close to Brown, even with Hopkins um, on this slate. I mean, he scored three touchdowns last week at home. He's at home against again against a bad defense. And at home against bad defenses are the exact situations where Antonio Brown just smashes. Um, 39 of his 56 career receiving touchdowns have come at home, including the three last week. So um, Brown is kind of that, 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 that top play for me, even at his salary. Um, so TJ, I guess, how, how are you going about kind of filling out the rest of the, these wide receiver slots? We have Jeremy Macklin, we have Mike Wallace, we have Devontae Adams, who's kind of come on as Brett Hundley's top target. Will Fuller probably back in the mix. He's down at 4,400 over at DK. Juju Smith-Schuster is still up there. I guess he's more of a Brown arbitrage player or something like that. Um, but who are you feeling at, at wide out? Yeah, it's going to be really difficult to to pair uh, Juju with Antonio Brown, but I mean, there there's an outside shot. Juju doesn't play this week, and uh, Martavis Bryant would be a guy that uh, would open things a lot if Smith Schuster is out. But I think the player that I, I'm trying to get the most uh, is Devonte Adams, just because he's going to be that cheap-ish player that is going to see the volume on, on a team that's probably going to be behind. And we know that situation usually favors the the wide receiver a little bit more uh, than the quarterback. Adams has out-targeted Jordy 28-17 to 17 since the bye, and uh, pretty much everyone else in that passing offense has been pretty irrelevant. So even on a short slate GPP, I th- I'd rather take a shot at someone uh, like a Macklin or uh, even a, a fooler if he is active, then go after any of these these Packers receivers because they just there's no production to be had in this Green Bay passing offense after Adams right now. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. Adams has really come on this year. I mean, he's been he's essentially played better. Um, it, it seems like than Jordy Nelson as well. Um, so kind of a little changing of the guard. Now you do have Houston over here. They are 31st in schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed to the wide receiver position so there's probably some type of production to be had there I think I'd rather invest in a Baltimore receiver probably than Joe Flacco one interesting guy to note if you're looking for you know kind of a contrarian player one of those big uh, GPPs that they that they throw on every primetime slate I think you can you can look at Chris Moore of the Ravens he took over the starting job for Brashad Perriman Now, he didn't get targeted last week, but he did play 56% of the snaps. And again, in these really, really uh, good matchups in terms of schedule-adjusted fantasy points, a lot lot of times when you see these these cheap wide receivers uh, hit a big play or two and kind of hit value. So that's probably somebody to keep in mind. But Mike Wallace, uh, also a pretty solid play, just given the slate, just given how the slate is going, because um, he's kind of, you know, had kind of come to life a little bit. Um, double-digit DraftKings points in back-to-back games. So 
couple touchdowns over that span. So um, got to keep those guys in mind as well. And at the tight end position, it's ugly. I mean, mm-hmm. <laughs> you have Ben Watson, who you mentioned, TJ. I'm guessing he'll probably end up being the chalk play of, of this slate. I, I, I mean, you have CJ Fedorowicz, you have Jesse James, you have Lance Kendricks and, and Richard Rogers. So no, no tight ends that people are really familiar with. I remember a, a similar two games. So I think it was the uh, Monday, Thursday, or maybe it was a London Thursday, Saturday slate earlier in the year, Thursday, Sunday morning slate, where it was kind of a similar Watson and three other bad, you know, just low price tight ends. And Watson was owned like 90%. So I'm kind of guessing that people go back to the well there. I actually think Fedorowicz is interesting just because the Ravens have struggled against the position. They are ranked 27th against tight ends and schedule adjusted uh, fantasy points though. Houston's right there at 26. So I guess those two guys are kind of my two, my two tight ends. Uh, how are you feeling about that? Yeah. I mean, it's pretty bad when Ben Watson's clearly the tight end one, but, but as I mentioned earlier, he has seen a fair amount of those short targets. Um, yeah. And then it's, it's pretty much for Dorowitz. I mean, Jesse James is going to get the occasional red zone targets, but they've been so uh, few and far between this year, even in, in good scoring spots for Pittsburgh, where it looks like they should uh, score a lot of points, do score a lot of points, should be throwing a lot in the red zone. Um, I mean, he got one last week, but I, I wouldn't put too much in, weight into that. The Pittsburgh would just kind of ended up throwing the ball all, all over the field last week. Uh, be, between that and, and week one, James has, has offered pretty much nothing. So, yeah, Watson with some fedora sprinkled in. They're pretty much perfect price pivot so it's just a matter of uh what the rest of your roster construction looks like and and how you want to be stacking those lineups yeah and the green bay packers in terms of james the green bay packers are actually second in schedule just as fancy points excuse me allowed to the tight end position so it's not a good on paper matchup for jesse james either and you know i i, I would i would have said that Steven Anderson, the other tight end on the Texans, also um, kind of a punt player if you're trying to jam him in. But his snap, he was at 50% of the snaps the last two weeks, and that declined to 19% last week with, I guess, Fedorowicz getting back into things. So I'm not sure uh, if that's even a viable option at this point. I mean, he's caught a, he has a, he's caught a 22-yard pass last game, two for 30 the game before, four for 44 the game before. So I mean, he's a good pass catcher, but just no idea if he's going to even get enough snaps to really do anything. But I mean, if you're, if you're kind of doing team jam them in with, with these Pittsburgh Steelers, maybe, maybe you give them a, a shot in the flex or something like that. And then at defense, you got the Steelers and the Ravens. They are the, the home favorites. The Steelers are favored by double the amount of points that the Ravens are. And then you have the Texans and the Packers. So, I guess is it the Steelers just kind of the the play here? Or you think the Ravens uh, have kind of you know they've they've already had three shutouts this year, so you, are, you, are you kind of putting them on that same plane as the Steelers despite the the lower spread? Yeah, I, I think that's fine. I mean, I don't think you need to do anything crazy like going all the way down to one of the other teams. Obviously, they're in, they're in horrible spots, but sometimes people will make the argument of of rostering one of those defenses just for for salary saving reasons. Uh, since since we've kind of talked through this slate, and uh, I've been clicking around, assuming that you want to use Tom Savage as your your price 
uh, saving play. You don't really need to go down to any of those other defenses to get to some of the plays or stacks or combinations that we've mentioned. So I, I think it is Pittsburgh. Uh, Clearly number one, but uh, on a short slate, I'm not going to go too crazy. Even on full slates, I don't go too crazy on on a single defense, and I'll probably uh, split up Pittsburgh and Baltimore shares relatively uh, evenly with with a slight edge to the Steelers. Cool. All right, so let's build our lineup and then get to our bold calls and then get out of here. You got first pick. Uh, Let's go with with the price-saving option, Tom Savage. All right. Tommy Savage in there. Then I'm going to go all the way up to Antonio. Antonio, I mean, if we're if we're playing Savage, the only reason is because we want AB and, and Le'Veon. So Le'Veon Bell. All right. So we got uh, four three 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 left with six players. So let's go and let's get Alex Collins in there. I like that play a lot. Uh. I mean, we discussed that it's basically a coin flip here, so um, I, I don't think the $200 between the two tight ends will make a difference. Uh, so I'll go with uh, Benjamin Watson. All right. So we got Savage Bell, Collins Brown, Watson. We need two wideouts, a flex, and a defense. Since we got Savage in there, we're going to have to go with the Steelers D. Okay, I like that. Um, I'm going to go back to mm. – I like your call of having to get a, a, a cheap receiver that hits in there. And I mean, we got a few Ravens, but uh, the, the matchup's good on, on the outside. Uh, if Chris Moore hits, um, that's a that's a tournament winning play. I'll, I'll put Chris Moore in. All right. So we got 5,600 for two guys, so that's not – actually not too bad here uh let's see wide receiver and a flex let's go with let's just go get some more volume in here at flex and go lamar miller lamar miller all right so that's gonna leave us with uh 5200 if i got the right lineup in there yep yep Very very precarious spot. We end up with a, with a few more Ravens than I would have than I would have liked. Um, uh, the player that fits in perfectly is Mike Wallace and and, and Jeremy Macklin. Um, but uh, got a, we got Fuller if he plays. Jordy yeah. all the way down there at forty three. That's probably as low as he's been in years. Yeah, Jordy's the interesting one I'm looking at because uh, I I think a lot of people are going to play Adams and uh, and Green Bay's gonna have to throw it at, at some point. Um, I mean, I, I think it's a really really good leverage play because Adams is probably gonna be the one player that that people are gonna be rostering. Uh, just it's pretty obvious for the reasons we mentioned, and there's nothing wrong with leaving salary. Um, out in these these short slates. If, if our lineup construction was a little bit different, I would favor Macklin or Wallace. Uh, but like I mentioned, we have a ton of Ravens here. Uh, so I, I think Jordy is probably the right play here. I like it. I mean, you know, it hasn't, you know, Hungley, he's been bad. It's, but he's been, you know, 200, uh, over 212 yards each each game uh, passing. So, I mean, if if that share just goes a little bit away from Adams, the the only place it really can go is, is mainly Jordy or, or Randall Cobb, really. And, 
Um, we know what Cobb kind of is. He's going to get mostly those short passes. So I, I actually like the Jordy play a lot just in, in GPPs, period. I think you're, you're, you could get a situation where you're getting a pretty damn good receiver at a pretty low salary is going to allow you to do it. I mean, he's 200 more than Bruce Ellington. So <laughs> it's pretty crazy. I never thought we'd see that. So we got Savage Bell, Collins, Antonio Brown, Jordy Nelson, Chris Moore, Ben Watson at tight end, Lamar Miller in the flex, and the Steelers. Defense, I'll go ahead and enter that into the $5 NFL 600K Sunday night spectacular primetime slate, and we'll see how that goes. And uh, who you got for bold calls, TJ? Uh, it's funny. We actually landed on the same team bold call, so I had to switch mine up. Uh, we talked about how these two teams are going to scheme. They're still in the playoff mix. Uh, I think uh, Tyrod continues his second half of showing why you don't bench Tyrod. I'm going to go pretty far on the limb out on this one and say uh, Kansas City and Buffalo outscores New Orleans and Los Angeles. That's a really interesting. I like it, though. I think, you know, I, I mean – the Buffalo defense has really struggled. That's what's kind of changed for them aside from, you know, lost in all this quarterback shuffling is the fact that their defense has not been good. They had a real, a lot of trouble stopping the pass in kind of in the middle part of the season. And then they, all of a sudden they trade Marcel Darius and now they can't stop the run. So uh, I do, I, I can't see an avenue where Kansas city kind of writes the ship and, and, and puts a lot on this Buffalo defense. And, you know, we've seen Tyrod kind of put up some garbage time production as well too. Uh, couple weeks ago against the Jets so I could see it happening for my bowl call as you mentioned we kind of landed on this uh, both of us originally but I, I think that Denver goes into Oakland and beats Oakland Oakland's favored by five points which I think is a, a bit much I think Denver with the veterans they have on this team I know they're starting Paxton Lynch at quarterback but I think you know against the, this Oakland Raider team I mean first of all there's just no better time to start Paxton Lynch this team has not uh, intercepted a pass the Raiders have not intercepted a pass this season, so uh, maybe they get their first this week, but still no real better defense if you're if you're a young quarterback and you just kind of want to manage the game and get out of there with a win than uh, the Oakland Raider defense. And I, I just think that there's enough veterans on this team, and they 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 have enough pride that you know John Elway calling them soft. I think they can they come into Oakland, they see a team that's kind of down. They went to Mexico, they got blown out. Um, they, they're underachieved all season. Defense isn't good. I think the Broncos' defense is good enough to, to travel. I think that that that's one of those defenses. I know it's been kind of up and down with them a little, but I definitely think uh, I, I feel pretty confident that the Broncos are going to go in here and win this game. Yeah, and I mean, like you mentioned, that we landed on the same bold call initially, and it, it kind of ties into the fact that Paxton Lynch is starting. Kind of ties into my player bold call. I mean, one of the biggest problems that uh, Denver has had is their offensive line issues, and it's it's just caused uh, a lot of pressure on two really bad quarterbacks in Brock Osweiler and Trevor Simeon, which has led to a lot of turnovers, really good field position for opposing offenses. But uh, the Raiders uh, rank last in adjusted sack rate. Their defensive line does, and it's pretty much Khalil Mack doing everything by himself now uh, uh paxton lynch gives uh the quarterback position a little bit of mobility so those plays that have been really ugly for denver he's going to be able to extend those plays he's he rushed for seven almost 700 yards in college so just enough to kind of scramble out and and uh, roll around and i think that uh Play extension favors Emmanuel Sanders, and and in the last two weeks, Manny Sanders and DT have been pretty much uh, uh, sharing targets. And my bold call is Emmanuel Sanders uh, goes over 100 yards and scores twice this week. 
I like it. And Paxton Lynch actually has the arm too, where he can mm-hmm. he can get that ball a little more down the field, which is where Sanders really makes his hay. Uh, for my bold call, I'm going with Didi Westbrook, 100 <laughs> yards and a touch. I think uh, think this is the time for for Didi to kind of break out. Looks like Alan Hearns is going to miss another game, and um, I, I think we're going to see Patrick Peterson on on Marcus Lee a, a, a bit more then we'll see him on any of the other Jaguar receivers. So I think uh, Didi can can get loose um, behind the secondary. He actually had a 40% market share of the Jaguars air yards in just his first game. And, you know, 40%, that would essentially be, if he did that over a season, that would essentially be uh, either the league leader or one of the top mm-hmm. few players in the league lead. So um, that's kind of something that just caught my eye. And I think, you know, he's preseason leader in receiving, I think he has enough talent to, to just break one and, and kind of end up with 100 yards and a touch. Arizona, for, for as good as Patrick Peterson has been, and, and I talked about this um, a lot last week too, and we are all playing Bruce Ellington, but as good as Patrick Peterson has been, um, the Cardinals really have been kind of a middling defense and schedule just at fantasy points. A lot of two wide receivers, they're, they're down there at 14th right now, just kind of middling, mid, middle of the pack. So I don't think it's a particularly – Tough matchup. Tremont Williams has been playing better uh, for Justin Bethel, but I think this defense can be can be beat. And uh, again, guys, want to remind you that Four for Four is having a Black Friday sale, and it's going it's going to go through Cyber Monday. The sale will start uh, sometime after the first game on Thanksgiving, so you can check my Twitter for the uh, details on the sale. Um, should be up uh, sometime tomorrow. Uh, Thursday afternoon, excuse me. Uh, you could check TJ's Twitter for it. He's at TJ Hernandez. Uh, you could check 444 Football at 444 Football. And uh, yeah, happy Thanksgiving to everybody. Want to thank everybody for uh, tuning in. And any last words, TJ? Happy Thanksgiving to everybody. Uh, like Chris said, Cyber Monday's coming up. Save your shmoney. Don't go to Black Friday. Don't get beat up over a crock pot. Stay home. Hang out with your family. Enjoy the weekend. Uh, no, no bad Black Friday stories. Just play some DFS. Uh, Cyber Monday is way better than Black Friday. Take advantage of it. Let's get not beat up for crock pots <laughs> and get this money. <laughs> Better run when beef is on. I pop that trunk. Come get some grip. Give me six inches on them white air ones. This red, ready here. Come, Compton, uh, Dre found me in the slums. Selling that stuff. one hand on my. I was selling the master P was saying, uh, buck past the. It's G on the girls just wanna have fun. Coke and rum got on the tongue. With my hand dressed like, uh, I make a. My lungs, whole gang in the front.